Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. See, when that, that broadcast talks about or that intro talks about the moderately intelligent guys he's talking about you elliot yeah because you're, you're a genius you are a i'm not a genius i'm i'm, I'm less than, intelligent i'm less than moderately intelligent you're the moderately mm. intelligent one mm. well, of course most of our listeners probably think we're like you know people on twitter so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well i am on twitter as a matter of fact at th uh, village elliot um yeah Hey, I'm, I'm at the left guard. Check me out on, on Twitter. X, whatever they call it now. X, I guess it marks the spot, whatever that means. All right, hey, another another week of uh, Browns football. An exciting victory there over the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are leading the AFC South. So that gives us victories over the Colts and the Jaguars and the Titans. So And the Ravens. Well, I mean... Let's just talk about the AFC South for a second. We got the uh, oh, okay. Well, got the uh, leaders. Oh, we got all the leaders. Uh, someone's I can't think of the team that's called the Texans. We got the Texans in a couple weeks. So if we could sweep the AFC South, that would be tremendous. Just saying, because the Colts already beat the the Ravens, so be tremendous to try to do that. All right, Elliot, so what are your thoughts on last week's game? Well, uh, it was a big shock to me that. Flacco threw more than 40 times and uh, turned the ball over three times and the Browns won the game. I didn't think that was going to happen, but the Browns did win. It was a really uh, exciting game. I, I wish that they would hang on to the football a little bit better. I, I don't like the way that they did it, but what the heck, a win is a win. So that was really thrilling. Flacco uh, has in fact cemented his job by really surpassing my expectations. And the mm-hmm. longer it goes, the more of the offense he's going to learn and the more sense it makes to keep him in his position where he is. Even though I still like Dorian Thompson Robinson, and I believe that he is well prepared to be a starting NFL quarterback should the need arise to put him back in the firing line. Right. I, I, I've always thought that the way they use Flacco is going to be indicative of how they feel their season is going. If they felt like, okay, this is done, they'll go back to DTR. If they think there's still a chance to make the playoffs, 
Playoffs? You talking playoffs? They're gonna they're gonna keep Flacco in there. So I don't oh, yeah. know. I I like Flacco week one. I thought Flacco made some sense, especially with the way the players were talking about how when he drops back, it's poetry in motion. It, it's as if they uh, hadn't seen somebody drop back and throw a pass. Of course, they've been dealing with PJ Walker and uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson for a while. So I mean, yeah, like well, Robinson can can sling it. Um, now, PJ, you know, is sort of an unorthodox quarterback, and he's really, you know, too small and this, that, and the other. And even Deshaun Watson, as good as he is, is not an orthodox quarterback. He's not a drop-back quarterback with precision accuracy and that sort of thing. He does make up a lot of stuff and drive you crazy, you know, while he makes up a play that succeeds – he does it his own way and mm-hmm. not maybe not the way that you'd like to see it, not the way that you drew it up on the chalkboard. And uh, Flacco probably does do it the way that you drew it up. Right. I mean, there's they'd gone a lot to the uh, outside zone offense and the short passing game of Flacco and then taking a, a long shot, you know, as it as it opens up. So they're really running the Stefanski offense with Flacco. I mean, that's that's what that offense is. Mm-hmm. So it's really, he's just kind of a, a guy, I don't know, kind of like Brock Purdy, right? He's just going to be a guy with some some good decision-making abilities, some good arm strength, running an offense that doesn't put the onus on the quarterback to win and letting him do his thing, letting him be the the uh, point guard shooting the ball around. Well, so that hey, it's, it's worked 40, so far. I think it was like 42, 43 times he put the ball up some ridiculous number. Like maybe it was 45, but it was a lot. And I don't think that that's a good uh, prescription for victories. On the other let hand, me tell you, let me tell you what's worse. Uh, in that, let me, let me tell you game. what's let me tell you what's worse than him throwing forty-two times. You ready? Yeah, running the ball forty-two times at one yard a pop. Well, that's, that's not that's possible. Worse. Yeah, true enough. Can't do that either. And they did run the ball a lot, and they threw a lot of the passes to running backs. And I guess maybe we should differentiate. Uh, passes to wide receivers and tight ends compared to passes thrown to running backs because those are really kind of like running plays they're not really right. the, you know the the uh, relying on the the uh, long ball per se and that i think makes a lot of sense i've been advocating all along that the browns need to use more passes to running backs out of the backfield more screen passes to running backs and that's in fact what they did with uh, Jerome Ford, especially, we thought that he was talented enough to do that. And we saw proof of it with the veteran Flacco actually doing it rather than mm-hmm. just thinking about it. He actually did it. And he also threw to Kareem Hunt. He thinks and, uh, about faking. Uh, he yeah. Fakes and he also, he's faking. He also, what I really liked about uh, Flacco is that he used his secondary receivers and it was not totally dependent on Amari Cooper as good as Amari Cooper is I felt that the other quarterbacks were way too dependent on just the number one receiver this was a problem I think I think this game I'm glad you brought this up because I think this game shows a point that I was making on my what the elf was that podcast a few weeks back when we played Pittsburgh I had a college roommate of mine Brad Haskin on and we were talking about you know, he was he was the the college quarterback, and I was the offensive lineman, and we were men together. So he has a lot of 
quarterback knowledge. And he was asking me what, what the Browns do, or excuse me, what other teams do to the Browns. Because we spent many, many a late night discussing offensive strategy in college. And I was telling him that most teams come in and they double in Joku to take him out of the game because they know if you don't double in Joku, you're going to get your butt whipped. And then it's always up to the onus on Amari Cooper to win one-on-one battles to make that wide receiver core work. So what we saw, I think, in that game was the Jaguars deciding we're taking Amari Cooper out of the game. Okay, so they had double teams on Cooper, right? We saw Flacco trying to throw it to Cooper. He's on double teams. Then they start throwing it to Njoku, right? He's open because he can beat players one-on-one. And then once he gets the ball, he's big, he's fast, and he's the guy that's going to beat you. And then after he scores two touchdowns on him, they decided to double him again. And so Flacco's now throwing the ball back to Amari Cooper and the other wide receivers are getting one-to-one matchups because Njoku is being taken away. That's why we don't see a lot of David Njoku out there. Teams take him away on purpose to make the receivers beat them. That's how they operate. And it's been going on for a long time. I just wanted to point that out. That was an interesting little debate that I got to watch play out in that Jacksonville game. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. I, I was also under Jeff. First of all, I think you're right on target with that. Your analysis is spot on and very well taken. Love it. I will also point out that a lot of the analysis that you will read about in other less learned sectors of the Cleveland media, and especially the semi-pro part of the media, People are really down on David Njoku. They have been for years. They still harp on the criticism that he got when he was in his, like, second year by John Dorsey. That, oh, he doesn't block well, which was true yeah, when he, he was a rookie and year. in his second year. But he became a very good blocker because mm-hmm. he applied himself, worked hard, and became really good. He has tremendous receiving statistics. I don't know where people get the idea that he drops balls all the time. He does not. I mean, he, you know, compared to other tight ends in the NFL, he's a very good receiving tight end. Uh, so, yeah, I think he gets a, he has never gotten a really uh, fair shake from the media as a whole. Mm-hmm. From He hasn't gotten the fan support that I think he deserves. I think he's an absolutely wonderful kid. And if you read about his family, you know, he's got a brother that's a brain surgeon. And, you know, he's got other brothers and sisters that are very, high achievers. It's a tremendous family. He's a great story. It's an all-American success story as far as I'm concerned. And mm-hmm. I really, really love David Njoku. Yeah, Njoku really does make that offense run on the receiving end. If uh, he's left one-on-one, you can throw to him all day long. Once they start doubling him, then it's on these receivers who aren't you know, up to Njoku's status. Then they got to start carrying the day. So you know, that's kind of how that rolls around. Hey, let's talk about the playoffs for a second. Playoffs? Let's actually playoffs. talk about the playoffs for a second. So if you get on ESPN, you can get on this playoff predictor thing on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And no matter what way you run this, if the Browns can win 10 games, two of the next four games, they're going to be in the playoffs. That's not a guarantee. It gets about a 98% chance to make the playoffs if they – Oh, no, there's the a next percent chance that they could not make it. So doomed. you got to win two of four. I, I call it 10 and you're in, right? If you win 10, you're in. That's pretty much what it is. there's a 2% chance that we might not make it. We're doomed. Okay. 
I know it's happened, but 10 and you're in. That That's where we're at. Especially if one of those 10, one of those two victories you get can be over the Houston Texans. That would help tremendously as well. But statistically, it doesn't make a difference. You just got to win two of the next four. So you could beat, I mean, if you beat the Bears this weekend, you're at like 92% at that point. So take care of this week, and you got a 92% chance of making the playoffs. Take care of one more game after that. Chance you've that got a 97, 97% chance of making the playoffs. There's even, there's even a scenario out there where the Browns can end up being the number one overall seed in the AFC. Now, I think that's far-fetched, okay, because you're asking the Browns to win all the rest of their games. Then you're talking about, on top of that, you got to have the Ravens lose twice. You got to have the Dolphins lose twice. And one of the teams that the Ravens play is the Dolphins. So that game's going to be a wash. So it, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm just happy getting into the playoffs if they can do it. And they got to win two of the next four. I just want to say Baltimore has been the luckiest team in the NFL this year. Oh my God, really? Like, <laughs> yeah, they play, they play like these garbage teams. They got the Houston Texans week one. They have these garbage teams. No, there was a garbage, stretch. But, there was a but stretch. Let's, let's, let's qualify that. They got to play an outstanding rookie quarterback, but they caught him in his first NFL start when he wasn't they've nearly caught, as good as he is now. They've caught four NFL quarterbacks, rookies, on their first NFL start. And, well, not only That's that. That's ridiculous. They had Joe ridiculous. Burrow twice. They had Joe Burrow twice when he was injured. Right. He's hopping around on one leg in one game, and in the other game, his wrist, uh, you know, he snapped a tendon or something. And uh, they didn't get the real Joe Burrow in either of the Cincinnati games, and yet everybody's so impressed with, oh, my gosh, look how uh, yeah. they are. Yeah, just wait till they get to playoffs. Oh. They never win anything in the playoffs. That's like the Miami Dolphins, right? The Dolphins are like one in three against teams with winning records. They've played a bunch of teams with winning records. Well, they've you know what have you done for me lately? They started out very very impressively, and they have not played as well lately. But yeah, the, no, the NFL is very unpredictable. You will you will lose your shirt betting uh, against the NFL, betting in NFL football games. You eventually will lose because you can't predict it any mm-hmm. better than the ten percent that the the bookie gets that your betting service, I should say, gets. It's a very, very unpredictable sport. NFL is crazy. Hey, speaking of crazy, why don't we take our break real quick? Let's take a crazy break. After after we come back from commercial break, we'll talk about something. I'm not sure what yet, but we'll figure something out. So hang on. All right, and we're back. Elliot, what do you want to talk about? Well, maybe we ought to talk about the Bears. The Bears, the Bears is only, you know, when the the spot opened, I think it was three points. And now, you know, it's 3.5. But I said at the time that I thought three points was a very unusual spread, considering that the Bears are a last place team in the, uh, you know, division that wasn't that powerful in a conference that is not that powerful. And yet the Cleveland Browns are the number one seed for the wild card. Now you can say that, well, but the Browns have had lots of injuries and that's certainly true. Nevertheless, the Browns are eight and five playing at home. The bears are five and eight playing on the road. How does that translate to a three point spread? 
Can you answer that for me? Mr. Cade, you're on. So first of all, I don't know anything about betting. I'm just going to admit this right now. I do not well, know who's the better team. Why. Just tell me that. Well, I'm just going to say this about the Bears. One, I think the Browns right now are still a better team than the Chicago Bears. And believe it or not, I think it's because the Browns, with Joe Flacco, have a better quarterback than the Chicago Bears. And I don't think the Bears are coached well enough and cohesive well mm -hmm. enough to win in December. Except, I say all that, they beat the Lions 28-13 last week. So... You know, the Bears have, quote-unquote, been resurgent. They beat the Vikings the week before that. Of course, you know, before that, they got hammered by the Lions, and then they barely beat the Panthers. And then the Saints beat them by seven. Then the Chargers, that's only back in October, hammered them. So I guess you could make the narrative out to be that the Bears are playing better. They might actually look like an organized football team. I don't know. They certainly play like the Bad News Bears. Well, yeah, you know, I, I guess I would say this, that I really respect Justin Fields. I think that the the press in Chicago hates him because they hate all quarterbacks. They think that all the problems in Chicago are the fault of the quarterback. If only they had a true franchise quarterback, they would be like, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, like Jim McMahon. Like Jim McMahon or Mitch Trubisky or, you know, any I don't, I don't think it's from Trubisky. the pantheon of greats. I mean – you know, I, I wrote about this at some length that the, they keep on trading away first-round draft picks to get some superstar that they think will completely transform their team. You know, they traded away a King's Ransom, um, you know, in order to get Khalil Mack, and they also traded away a lot of draft picks to get Mitch Trubisky. Because why? Because the Cleveland Browns were the dumb team. They took a defensive lineman instead of a quarterback. Can you believe that? <laughs> they failed to take Mitch Trubisky when they had the opportunity. Instead, they took a defensive lineman. That was Miles Garrett. Right, right. Um, okay, and yeah, okay, so the Bears took Mitch Trubisky. Now, I think Mitch Trubisky is actually not a bad quarterback. When he had a supporting cast before their team decayed away into garbage, Mitch Trubisky actually did make the Pro Bowl, so he can't be that terrible. Um, but he has never had a good team. And playing with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers as he is now, that doesn't count either. So, yeah, I'll take Mitch Trubisky if they release him uh, in the offseason. I'll sign him as a backup quarterback. But, but uh, you know, draft giving away all those draft picks for Mitch Trubisky was stupid. Well, hey, they got a lot of them back when they traded away the number one overall pick to Carolina. Oh, yeah, well, what they did lately – you know, now, mm -hmm. you know, within the past year, I don't know if they changed their GM recently. When was the last time they got a new General Motor, General Motors, General Manager? I don't know. Um, I don't know. But, I will say it, this yeah, for the Chicago I Bears. Like, I do like the fact that they wound up with the number one overall pick this year by not drafting Bryce Young last season. That was a good idea. And I, you know, so. Yeah, this was supposed to be the draft that, I was surprised Carolina went up to get Bryce Young because this was supposed to be the draft. Yeah, but they're a dumb the team. Quarterbacks are coming out. They do what dumb teams do. Uh, and see, oh, they got Bryce a, Young. He a, won a national championship. He's well, almost. They think that he's yeah. a. 
Well, I guess they he got did a, win the national championship, didn't he? They got a new team? owner, you know, and you know how owners are. We saw this with Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, the let's draft the guy. Let's draft yeah. the guy that like appeals to the southern band fan base since it's Carolina and most of their in the Charlotte's close to the south, right? So let's uh, let's draft the guy with the most draft appeal. Like like Johnny Manziel, like oh, the yeah. homeless guy even knows who Johnny Manziel is. Yeah, he, yeah, maybe the homeless guy said, "Draft Bryce Young." <laughs> oh, okay, you know, but yeah, we we had that discussion, you and I, and you know, we just we thought that Bryce Young is probably going to be an acceptable NFL starter, right? But not worth the first overall pick. That was crazy. And you're gonna have to have a special offense for him for his height and a lot of other things that go on. <sighs> anyway, okay, yeah, Carolina. That that's but yeah, but Chicago just Chicago just did well. Win. They they did the right yes. thing. They got more draft picks because that's what they need, and they should build around Justin Fields rather than trade him away and start over with some new quarterback with no support uh, like they usually do. Yeah, that has not worked for them in the past either. I wouldn't Pardon? draft. Caleb, I wouldn't draft Caleb Williams this year. I watched I USC. Either. I watched USC go up to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame just blitzed the crap out of him, and he just fell apart. Mm -hmm. Just completely fell apart. Let me so, qualify that. I would draft him, but I would not draft him at the first overall position. Yes, I I'll, I'll agree with that. I'd probably I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that does not reflexively draft quarterbacks first overall. I do not think that the quarterback is that predictable and is not necessarily that much of an impact player compared to what um, a defensive end that is really, really good. And if you give me three or four first-round picks for the first overall pick, I'm going to take that trade most of the time. Right. How about that? Well, I think the, the Bears did help themselves that way. The question for in, in Chicago, I guess, I was doing a little bit of reading on it, is, you know, is is the head coach going to keep his job after this year because the Bears have not played well? And can this late resurgence, like, help the Bears, you know, keep help help him keep his job? Now, I don't think that's the case. I think you've got Detroit just kind of looking past Chicago last week. I think you've got the Vikings looking past Chicago. Then the Bears playing a little bit better, making the game a little bit more interesting. The key will be for the Browns not to look past Chicago. Everything is a dogfight for the Browns. It has to be. The minute you think you can show up and roll the ball out there, you're screwed. Just look at Pittsburgh right now. They literally think they can just roll the ball out there and win. They just lost to two teams, eight games under 500 in back-to-back -back weeks. I mean, I think the Panthers could beat the Steelers right now. Yeah, well, no, that's absolutely true. You know, we talk about playoffs, and we made this point previously, because we're what sports analysts. But if the players are thinking that way, then they are, in fact, doomed. They have yeah. to be thinking about one thing, one thing only, is what am I going to do to my guy on the Chicago Bears on the other side of the line of scrimmage? Winning this that's week. That's the only thing that they can be worried about is wanting to play the Chicago Bears and prove that they're better than the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. I personally don't believe that the Chicago Bears are at the same level as the Cleveland Browns, but that has to be proven on the field. Uh, we'll just see how, how it happens. You know, the, the odds makers are saying that the Cleveland Browns don't know how to cope with success, and that's why they're rating the two teams as about equal. I'm not sure that the Chicago Bears know how to how to contend with but what success. What do the Bears have to play for right now except for trying to be a spoiler? Well, th that's basically it. They think that – their their uh, 
they're delirious with the fact that they've won three games out of four and that they feel that they're unbeatable now. That's kind I don't of think the they have won three games out of four. They've won I think two that they out have. of and that's they've the won buzz. two out of three. That's the buzz that's Hold going on, I got around a, town. Got right in front of me. They beat the Lions. They beat the Bears. So they've won two in a row. All they have because they beat the Panthers mm -hmm. by three. So they've won yeah. three out of four. Yeah. Got, and, and they're delirious. I mean, <laughs> that's the buzz coming out of Chicago. Is a, so oh, I my just, God. We've won three out of oh, four. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that is right. I, I just think teams are overlooking them. That's how the Panthers beat the Texans. The Texans overlooked mm -hmm. them. Like, okay, we're dealing with the Carolina Panthers, whatever. You know, that's how it seems like the Panthers win a game. So <laughs> I think they're going to go one in 16. If you're going to be honest with you. And I don't even know how they won that one game. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, the Bears, right? So the Bears are running apparently off three out of the last four and are running a little bit hot right now. But how many teams have we seen? Brock Purdy comes into Cleveland having never lost a game in the regular season. The Browns beat him. And I think at this point, the Browns are still the only team that beat Brock Purdy as a starter in the NFL. No, uh, no, no. They, they lost three in a row. Oh, did they? Did he start yes. as quarterback? Uh, yes, I think he did. Okay. So good for him. I saw some stupid stats somewhere, and I knew it was absolutely wrong that Brock Purdy was 7 0 against teams who have, uh, against teams with, uh, Winning records or something. I like it's like probably true because he had that no, because the Browns had a winning record when they beat him. Well, he was possibly at one time, so I don't think he's still. Oh, that was that was after the Browns game. So I don't know. Anyway, I just I just think you know, I think if you get to this point of the season and you're just seeing the Bears in your schedule and you're just like, okay we can rest up and wait for the next week. It's just clearly a trap game, particularly for the lions, maybe even the Vikings, you know, like, Hey, this team is garbage. It doesn't really yeah, matter. The, to the Vikings are not as good as they think, you know, and they're, they're oh, yeah. playing their third string quarterback as well. And they're making a switch back to uh, Nick Mullins. I understand. Well, Another Nick Mullins. Thing, the Cleveland quarterback, by the way, because he understands that offense, that outside zone <laughs> offense. But, oh, he's got more reps than uh, Rocket Man Joshua Dobbs, so it, it would make sense that he would be better prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, though Joshua Dobbs, I really like a lot, have a lot of respect for him. But Nick Mullins has had an entire season uh, to prepare to play to be the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, I think he's had two years at the. Uh, yeah, that's right. He's had two years with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. So he's very well prepared to be their quarterback. Wasn't he on IR, Nick Mullins? Yeah, he, well, I don't know if he was on IR or not, but he was injured and was not able to play the past several weeks, and that's why they had to go to Dobbs. Yeah. Well, look, I think you can't overlook any NFL team, right? You can't. That's that's the trap is to overlook some team and think we got a big game the week after and we got to do something with this. Like the Browns just need to say we need to focus on the on the Chicago Bears Absolutely. and beating the Chicago Bears because if you beat the Chicago Bears, you've got another W, right? And then all of us as analysts can talk about how oh we beat the Chicago Bears now there's a ninety two percent chance of making the playoffs, and and that's how it rolls. Chance that we're not going to make the playoffs. Fans. You're such a pessimistic Browns fan. Oh my god! Be positive. Be positive. Oh my Stop talking about Deshaun Watson in the booth. Stop it. <laughs>
Wait a minute. I didn't talk about Deshaun Watson. No, I'm just like. Was, was he actually in the booth or was he in the stands? I heard uh, that he, he was, was in the, the he was in the Haslam's box. I think oh, if he was in the Haslam box, then good grief. I think he was he was literally in the Haslam box. All right, hey guys, we're gonna wrap this up. I didn't want to make. He told me he was in the stands. Oh no! And then I I said, "Oh my God, you're not going to wear the Cleveland Browns logo in the stands? Are you kidding? He's in the owner's box. Well, in the owner's box, and of course, you do whatever you know. That is that is anyway. I want to point out that on my podcast, what the elf was that? I did a deep dive into punters and why I still think Corey Bajorquez is not a good punter. So that's there. I compared him to Jamie Wait. Gillen and why Jamie Gillen is a better punter than Corey Bohorquez. So that'll get all the angry Browns fans. Uh, no, Corey going. does a lot of things that, you know, he has the knuckleball punt and he can really put a lot of weird English on the punt. Well, it doesn't result in actual yardage gain. So, oh, yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah, wait, I'll wait go look they, it up, Elliot. They start dropping punts and fumbling go, them and stuff. Go look it up. Go look it up. Go look it up. Go look it up. The net yardage gain compared to Jamie Gillen compared to Corey Bohorquez. Anyway, we both got to run. Okay, so let's run. Check us out next week. We'll be back after hopefully a big, big Browns victory over the Chicago Bears. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browniacs. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns!